So the strikes are over. Actors, writers, they've got deals. And good ones, too. Yeah. You sound sad. Yeah. What's wrong, bud? I mean, don't get me wrong, Adam. I, I'm really happy for the guilds. I mean, they stood strong, and they faced incredible financial and emotional hardships just to secure a fair deal, but now our pro-worker rants will just be mixed in with all of our jokes about you know, piss and John Locke's wigs instead of here, you know, at the top of the show. Yeah, that is sad. I didn't, I didn't really think about that. I mean, yeah, I, I love seeing workers' solidarity succeed, but, but having this little space here at the top of the show to make a clear argument about the necessity of unions as a bulwark against exploitation was really great. I mean, what do you think? Should we quit doing Lost on Lost and start a workers' rights podcast? <sighs> Nah. As much as I love talking about labor action and, and roasting the bosses, I like making piss and wig jokes more. <laughs> Word. <laughs> if it makes you feel better, Iotsi will probably have to strike next summer. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> Hi, I'm JP. And I'm Adam. I've never seen Lost. I have. I'm told that it's good. I liked it. I'm told that it made sense. Sort of. But we're watching it out of order. So it definitely won't make sense. But it might still be good. Since we won't expect it to make sense, we'll still be able to appreciate each episode on its own merits as a one-hour story. Sometimes two or three. As opposed to just a fraction of an ongoing, sprawling, and increasingly complex tangle of relationships, personal stories, mysteries, mythologies, experiments, social dynamics, unnatural disasters, unanswered questions, and hot tropical hookups. Are you okay? I'm not sure. Because you lost me a little bit there at the end. Good, because I've been lost since the beginning. We're We're lost lost on Lost. Welcome, everybody, to Lost on Lost, the Lost Effect. I'm Uh, Adam Bush, and I'm joined, as always, by a man who, at every point in our relationship together, has had opportunities to talk me out of things, and never (laughs) does, J.P. Russell. Quitters never win, so that's why I just, I keep on vaping and having fried rice for breakfast. You're telling me a breakfast fried this rice? (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, the moment is here. We've teased it. We've talked about it in the larger lore of Lost on Lost. uh, This is is the rushing nesting doll of dumb ideas. Yeah, this is fucking stupid even for us. (laughs) A dumb idea within a dumb idea within a dumb idea. The outermost dumb idea Lost on Lost itself. This middle layer. The Nash Bridges of Briscoe County Junior Sprint. Yeah! Based on an idea that because Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse, the creators of Lost, must have cut their teeth somewhere, uh, we were going to go back to see sort of the, their formative years and uh, and watch some episodes of The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. created by Carlton Cuse and Jeffrey Bohm. And then Damon Lindelof. Some of the first episodes of television he ever wrote were on a little police procedural from the mid-90s called Nash Bridges, starring Don Johnson, Cheech Marin, and some other folks. Are we sure that they're really cops? I don't know. (laughs) Innermost dumb idea. We're going to take those episodes that we've pre-selected, and we are going to try and cram six uh, discussions into an hour-ish or so (laughs) of time (laughs) by setting a time limit and sprinting through them. Ten minutes apiece, six episodes, three Nash Bridges, three Briscoe County Juniors, two hosts... 
and one guest. Yeah. Lost and Lost fans, Lost and Lost faithful, welcome back to the show, Kevin Hire. Hello, hello, please kill me. <laughs> I had to watch three episodes of Nash Bridges. I'm so upset. Just, if you want to die, Kevin, just go to just go to San Francisco and commit a minor crime. <laughs> yeah, I just have to go jaywalk, and then Nash Bridges is going to run me over with his souped-up car. Kevin, yes. uh, you've been on relatively recently. You were on one of our last episodes of the of season one of uh, Lost on Lost. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. What have you been doing in the meantime? What have you been doing since then? So I'm trying to start a petition because I understand that people are looking to make sports a little bit more interesting. Like there, there's a lot of talk usually about baseball. It's like, oh, do we have uh, to like tweak the rules sure. and stuff like that? Yeah, like pitch clock sure, and sure, shit sure. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So my, uh, what I'm trying to start right now is every sport, so baseball, football, uh, it's going to work like wrestling, where if you can knock out the referee, then anything you do after that is legal. So, But the twist is every referee in sports is going to be an MMA fighter. So it's like, yeah. you have to mm-hmm. knock out Conor mm-hmm. McGregor. But if you can do that, you can do as many false starts as you want, uh, which is a long way to say I haven't been up to much. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've, I've basically just been chilling and I still hit the picket lines every once in a while because, yeah. you know, segs, we, we still got to get seg yep. home, baby. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, uh, a lot of walking. That's yeah. what I've been doing. <laughs> well, I've got some sagging going on after watching six episodes of these shows. Should we get into it? Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. So we have watched all six episodes of these two shows. We've taken our notes. We've got our intros written. But to make it even more difficult, we are now going to pick the order in which we're discussing them live. Five. Yeah. Um, yep. So Ke- Kevin is going to, he's got what, six six cards yep. in front of you? Six cards. Six yep. cards numbered one through six. We're going to pull them. I, I was like, oh, we'll just roll a dice, a six sided die. And then, like, a too long of time later, I realized that that would result in a <laughs> We would just be repeating. I was like, yeah. oh, let's just do, let's just do number two again. So let's then I was do like, it. so yeah. then I, then I realized, I was like, oh, they cut that out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> no, no, no. Good, good call. Good yeah. call. Yeah, you want to go with the card. Kevin is going to pick a number. Um, Adam, yeah. shout out which uh, which episode that is, and let's let's fucking get this thing going, baby. Let's do it. Number five. Five. That is Nash Bridges cat fight. <laughs> starting the clock. Ten minutes. Three, two, one, go. Catfight is the 21st episode of Nash Bridges Season 6. It originally aired on April 27th, 2001. It was written by Reed Steiner and Damon Lindelof and directed by Ricardo Mendez Mata. Reed Steiner was the was a co-executive producer on 22 episodes of The District, which is another police procedural in which Craig T. Nelson, coach, plays the chief of the Washington, <laughs> D.C. Police Department. Damon Lindelof was in a band called Petting Zoo while at NYU, and Ricardo Mendez Mata was the second... Adi- a second assistant director on five episodes of ABC's Dinosaurs. Oh, nice, 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 nice. <laughs> hey, JP, you got a recap? Yeah, I do. Uh, hey, Adam, get the telescope. These ladies are smooching. <laughs> Nash and the rest of the totally real cop patrol have to hunt down two lady bank robbers. Hashtag feminism. <laughs> Betty Ann is horny for files. Rachel is horny for horses. And everyone on Earth is horny for Bill Smitrovich. Of course you know who that is. I have been listening to... Er, have I been listening to nothing but Antoine and Boz's rap all day? You be the judge, you sucka MC. This is Catfight here on The Lost Effect. Sheepers, creepers. Oh, my God. Brilliant. Um, Don Johnson and Cheech own a, ho- own a horse together. That's the first thing. Yeah, what the- <laughs> Evidently, yeah. 
<laughs> There's so much talk about $300,000 in this fucking episode. <laughs> Do you know how much money that would have been in $2,001? <laughs> yeah. Uh, something about oh, wait, birthday cake. No. Um, B- Bill, okay, Bill Smitrovich. Fucking Phil Lesh is in this episode. He mm-hmm. does not get credited. Correct. What? <laughs> I, like, I'm not even a huge deadhead. I like I like the dead, you know, because I had, you know, parents who liked them and whatever. But so, yeah, I was like, oh, fuck Phil Lesh. Fuck yeah. And then not, no worthy credits. Whatever. Bill Smitrovich. I don't even know which person in the episode Bill Smitrovich played. And he's the dad from Life Goes On. Come on. I don't know what you're talking about. This is such a bad indicator for the rest of how this is going to go. <laughs> Uh, the the cop who I just referred to as pile of laundry because he's usually wearing like a vest and then a shirt that doesn't wear the vest and a Grateful Dead fucking armband like yeah. he's in the fucking Black Panthers yeah. and a beret yeah yeah dude no the first time I saw him I was like oh word like this is like an undercover cop like because the first time we see him in like the first episode that I watched for this right. I was like oh yeah he must have been like a beat cop like he was doing something but then he kept wearing the same <laughs> shit and I realized no that's just that's just him. That's, <laughs> that's, that's just his choice. Um, Guys, we need to get to more important information. Like, why does Don Johnson, Nash Bridges, have 300 pencils on his desk? <laughs> I noticed that in the next scene, and I lost my goddamn mind. Um, uh, Christ almighty. The, 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 the episode starts off with a, a, a heist. Yeah. A, a bulldozer yeah. just pull, plows through the side of a rock club where Phil Esch and friends are playing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the pile of laundry, dete- detect, no, not, de- not detective. This is San Francisco, so they're inspectors, which is yeah. just cooler. Okay. Um, uh but he's the, he happens to be out he the happens concert. to be there because Phil Lesh is there because he's a, he's a dead end. This is the ex- explanation that I got to. I had to Google that shit because they never really explain it until this moment, which was the last episode of Nash Bridges I watched. This is the second <laughs> to last episode of the series. Um, this is it. This is the second to last of the series. Penultimate. Yeah, you can really feel it wrapping up, can't you, JP? <laughs> Holy hell. Um, uh, this this man next? who the actor I was convinced it was Chris Cooper for the first two episodes. I was like, that looks so much like Chris Cooper, just with more weight on his face. Turns out it's not. Um, he's a uh, deadhead. He's seen two hundred Grateful Dead shows. This bulldozer plows into this thing, and yeah, they're ripped off by some ch- ladies on motorcycles. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. They, they kill one guard. They wound another. I also noticed with Nash Bridges, uh, all of the cops constantly have crimes happening around them but it takes them a bit to hear it and i'm letting you (laughs) know right now if a bulldozer plows through a fucking wall i don't care how loud that set is you're gonna be like dude a wall's gone like you're going to know here's the gunshot yeah exactly counterpoint if you've been to north of 200 grateful dead shows maybe you have hearing damage or tinnitus or something (laughs) Anyway, <laughs> Rachel wants a horse for her birthday, a chestnut mare. I'll drag my chestnuts across your mare. Next scene. Got him. I don't even know which scene is next. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Just keep going. Yeah, um, what is, so like the next interesting thing. Oh, so this is the thing that drove me nuts about it. And they do talk about it a little bit later in the episode. The 
bike bike is like distinctly unique. It's got a, like yeah, a fancy. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, and yeah. I was yeah, like, all of the criminals have like the most distinct shit about them <laughs> in order to commit crimes. Yeah. It's like they'll wear like a ski mask, but then they'll leave on like the souped up fucking motorcycle, right. with a license plate <laughs> that says my address is one eight seven six North Broadway Street. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like what the fuck, right? They and- left in the monster truck called Grave Digger. How are we ever gonna find them? <laughs> And to be fair, lady, later when the girls are arguing about the crime not having worked as smoothly as one would have hoped, uh, this bulldozer caper, um, they do say we should have stolen a less a less obvious motorcycle. And then the other one's like, I didn't say we should see one. And they were like, yes, you did. Um, <laughs> they, they, um, they get this gig from uh, from Debo from Friday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Uh, rest in peace, <laughs> tiny lister. Um Betty Ann that asked Nash out. Yeah, yeah. To the planet Arium. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and he's like, I don't, I don't fucking, uh, I don't date other cops. That's fucking Chekhov's pussy. I don't know. Like, <laughs> don't ever ask me out again. I don't date coworkers. Let me go tell the coworker that I'm currently dating. How weird you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somewhere in here, a peeping Tom steals all the money from the girls. Correct. And he, say, he says it's double jeopardy. That's not how that works. <laughs> Which pile of laundry is like, He points out. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, I'm a cop. I know all the rules. That's not how this works. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But so this this here, and I have a note, and I apologize for derailing our, our limited time. But um, in college, I had an idea for uh, a parody of Law and Order that I wanted to shoot. With, with with JP, mm. um, I th- Kevin, you would have been likely involved uh, also uh, because I think you were at school at this point. Maybe okay. maybe you weren't. It was like my last year of school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, we sh- let's do like four Law and Order parody episodes. Me and JP, we're gonna be uh, Lenny Briscoe and uh, Benjamin Bratt. Um, <laughs> And then each week we'll solve like a law and order crime and we'll play it entirely straight. But the bad guy is always played by Noah Totsky in <laughs> different disguises. Yes. I remember this now. And I, and I always thought that that was such a dumb sort of thing until I realized that here in the episode Catfight, um, one of the lady bank robbers is played by the same actress who appears in a different episode of Nash Bridges. Not only a different episode of Nash Bridges, but one we watched for this episode of the podcast. <laughs> oh my fucking god! What? No, is she the one in the the game one? Yes. Oh the my god! That is Christ. her. Oh my god! The same actress. I'm like two so... different characters. Holy shit. And uh, I was like, I reckon- No one cared on Nash Bridges, man. She did three episodes. There's a third episode of Nash Bridges. She did playing a third different character. Uh, it's because Don Johnson wanted a second uh, chance at hitting that. Do <laughs> <laughs> um, you feel like the second AD is like making the call sheet? He's like, why does that name seem familiar? Yeah, whatever. Who gives a shit? Yeah, Antoine and Boz start rapping. Yeah, I, I wrote in here in my notes, what did I miss? Because I wasn't paying attention- for oh, part I of it, watched, and then okay, I, so I woke up to them rapping. What I will give this episode of Nash Bridges credit for is it's the only episode we watched that didn't have two A plots competing with each other yeah, at the same sure, time. Sure, sure. Uh, so no, the rappings that's a C plot where uh, uh, the comic relief character, who is a white man who uh, 
desperately loves black culture. Yeah. Uh, and they try to get a lot of comic mileage out of it, but uh, there's some sort of scheme that someone is pulling in a record label. And so insurance he, fraud. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like him and one other detective, inspector. Yes. Antoine <laughs> have to go and solve the crime. Uh, effectively, yeah. like stop the insurance yeah. fraud or figure out what's going on. Right. She like has a side gig as a private investigator on top of being a. This is, a, this is another thing I googled ah. so, somewhere during the run of Nash Bridges. Joe and Nash start a private detective agency. So yes, they are both cops and private investigators. Um, oh my god! Why? Um, <laughs> Law and Order did twenty years of just like cops solving crimes, but Nash Bridges were like, we don't have enough places to draw stories from. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Nash Bridges got to shoot a lady dead in the street and smooch some lady cop who's definitely his employee. Oh, mm -hmm. and, and also Tom Brooks is a pervert. He was dating one of the lady. <laughs> Can't finish the thought. Time's up. Sorry. All right. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, that was uh, that was Catfight, everybody out there. I hope you enjoyed that. You're ready for five more fucking conversations. What a good podcast this is. Just Kevin, like next it. card. Next uh -huh. Yeah. I'm on it. Don't worry. All right. Next one. Number two. two number two. That'd be the Orb Scholar. It's start the timer. Three, two, one. Ten minutes on the clock. Here we go. The Orb Scholar is the second episode of the first season of The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Orb Scholar originally aired on September 3rd, 1993. It was written by Carlton Cuse and was directed by Andy Tennant. Andy Tennant directed 11 episodes of The Kaminsky Method, which, you know, is basically just Amistad, but for old white folks. <laughs> Adam, do you have a recap? Get orbed, nerd! <laughs> Bounty hunter Briscoe County Jr. heads to Poker Flats, Colorado, chasing the lead on John Bly, the man responsible for the death of his father. Turns out Poker Flats is run by Dana Scully's brother Bill Jr. and the doctor from Star Trek Voyager. And these two clowns need to check out my TED Talk on prison reform. All cops are <laughs> bastards, even the dog. <laughs> Um, so the orb is missing is the problem. I didn't uh -huh. realize that the first... Oh, yeah, P.S., even though this is a Western, there's a fucking orb. You go on. <laughs> of course there's an orb. <laughs> gotta have an orb. Dude, the prisoners got orb. Fucking everybody's got orb. There's an, or there's an orb podcast now. Um, <laughs> I watched... The I didn't realize the first, like, 45 seconds, 60 seconds of this was a recap. So I was like, yeah, what I, thought it was, like, I was like, this was the intro of the is show. Is this just what this is for 45 minutes? I was so baffled. <laughs> I was like, it's like, it's kind of like an audiobook. Like, but I, I'm, it's like listening to a Zane Gray novel while on mescaline. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want that to be the clipping like quote you know, <laughs> on the poster. Um, uh, yeah, quick thing about Briscoe. I love I, I love Briscoe. I saw it when I was a kid. I've always liked steampunk, Weird West stuff like that, like mm -hmm. like that type of genre of thing. Like so, like this show is right up my alley. That said, watching these three episodes without watching the rest of the show around it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I just want to go on record saying that up front. I'm a big fan of this show. For what it's worth, especially when you put it up against Nash Bridges, <laughs> this is like a d d fucking like fountain coke in the middle of a desert. It's just, <laughs> oh my God, it's exactly what you, you are want. You are both so fucking wrong. I would rather watch Nash Bridges. Why? Wow. Why? No. Wow. Go on record right now. Why? Look me dead this, in the digital this show, eye. I don't, I don't know what this show is. Is it supposed to be funny? Where's the comedy? It's not slapsticky enough. It's not silly enough. It's not goofy enough. It's just like slow-paced Western that has an orb. Uh, excuse me. There's you just said everything that makes it awesome. It's it's an action adventure, and it's, then every once in a while there's, there's some no comedic action. Elements. It's a throwback to movie serials, the Western series. Yeah. But yo, know, it's great. It's, and there's a reason those died off. <sighs> Unreal. <laughs>
so yeah, Briscoe. This show takes place in San Francisco. Socrates' pools is off. San from Briscoe. It, what? San from Briscoe. Anyways. <laughs> Stop it. Socrates' pool's office is in San Francisco, and he needs to go to Poker Flats, Colorado, so he just rides his horse over there. The one thing I love about the show is that it does time jumps within the episode. One of the other ones that we watched also had a three-month time jump in between like the scene before the opening credits and after like three months had passed. (laughs) Wonderful. I love shit like that. So yeah, he just rides his horse over to fucking Colorado. Um, and he's he's got to meet his old friend Donovan Joe, who one time when they were young set him up against the Swill Brothers. <laughs> Rather than keep Briscoe just in jail and then shoot him or something, he invites him to dinner to then tell him his dastardly plan to right. then mm-hmm. pull a gun on him to then try and kill him. Mm-hmm. People are getting released, escaped, thrown into and out of jail so much in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Yeah. No, inefficiency is the name of the game in this show. Like, there's a lot of inefficiency that happens. We'll bring up more of it later, but yeah, that is your first indicator that, like... Nope, just talk about trying- it now. There's no time. We're already down to six minutes. Ah, fuck. Uh, yeah, man, like, yeah, there is. There's just a lot of inefficiency and like this definitely feels like a show where they were like oh we got to get it to 45 minutes don't we and so like there is some stretching i will get yeah and i will give that to you jp it is it is slow compared to especially like modern day action television stuff like that the pacing of briscoe is much slower than probably most stuff we are used to oh absolutely if it was 30 minute episodes it would be better which, Absolutely. Yeah, 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 I'd agree with that. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. I give you that. Lord Bowler was in jail already when Briscoe got there, which I thought was pretty yeah. great. <laughs> I Wait, actually, is that the professor? No, no, no. no. Lord, that's that's it, the other bounty hunter. Yeah, the other who bounty he's like hunter. buds. Oh, with. Bowler, Bowler, Bowler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And like that's the thing is I actually really like the dynamic between Briscoe yeah. and uh, Bowler. Bowler. It's yeah, great. like those it's two great. are actually I think a lot of fun together. Yeah. Uh, and what I will also say to Briscoe's credit. Also knocking Nash Bridges <laughs> is, uh, you so know, like bitch. it at least seems like Briscoe is like at least somewhat charming of yeah. a person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. He makes mistakes, but he recognizes when he makes mistakes and stuff. So like he just for me is a much more enjoyable protagonist than Nash Bridges because Nash, yeah. Nash is just an arrogant ass. Yeah. Who you you're watch supposed your to ass, think is, Bubba. In his head, he thinks he's really charming. And exactly. the show tries to make him look charming. And right. It fails. Exactly. <laughs> fails. Look at how expensive his suits are. Anyways, um... Look at how expensive his car is. <laughs> he yeah. won't sell that shit for anything. What an idiot. We'll get to that. Uh, back to Briscoe. Uh, okay. shows so, up and is like, hey, uh, I, I want fucking Briscoe Johnny, County Jr. Uh, dead and oh what are these drawings the professor knows about the orb get me that orb man <laughs> give me the orb professor the orb scholar yeah well and what I did like about this uh, when that bad guy shows up like the heel Bly. yeah Bly yeah. when he showed up that was the first indicator that there was going to be time travel elements of the show because Bly is played by the offspring of Willem Dafoe and Tilda Swinton <laughs> somehow traveled back in time <laughs> to star in the ah, show yeah. that was all I could think I was just like is that fucking Tilda Swinton? No, that's Willem Dafoe. Oh my god, that's kind of both, isn't it? <laughs> Bly. Who are these cheekbones? That dude is the actor's name is Billy Drago, and they like uh, Bruce Campbell and other folks involved with it. They're like so happy to have him because of how creepy he looks and how skeezy his vibe is mm-hmm. in the show. Like, oh, he does like, a good job. Yeah, they're yeah. like he was the perfect guy to play this to play John Bly. Yeah, he fucking the- shoots Briscoe. Yep. I I also want to make note that the original sheriff of Poker Flats is in jail. Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which happened earlier. Um, per, yeah. Uh, so the, so the professor then, uh, hypnotizes the guard 
to yeah, go. He, yeah, he did. I mind tricks him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, but we, then Bly, uh, the the professor gives him the old the old switcheroo, um, <laughs> man. and get, sends him the wrong way get so that tricked. he can get the go orb. to this other warehouse. <laughs> the, the orb is actually not there. <laughs> Sucker, you dumb man, bitch. You <laughs> Uh, Bly's just like, God damn it, not again. (laughs) Not again? (laughs) Why do I keep believing people who I interrogate under duress? (laughs) (laughs) But then, uh, yeah, so the professor's got the fucking orb, and Briscoe gets a bunch of orb juice on him, and (laughs) Mm -hmm. he's like, okay. Fucking Mm -hmm. Lord Bowler sings like an angel dude he, he, he said does. he said in the show he's like i sing like an angel and i was waiting for it to be like a gag and him not sing that well and julius carey that dude's got a voice holy he fuck I, I was he trans- really i was transported he yeah he is a very good singer and also you have to consider that amazing grace in the time in which the show is set is so like kind of a relatively yeah. new song which means that if this took place today it'd be like I'm going to sing this person in their final moments to comfort them. And then they would sing with arms wide open. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Fuck the orb juice saves Briscoe. Mm -hmm. Um, The the professor just disappears. That's where I wrote my note. Did he literally disappear or did Uh, he just leave? Okay. Well, so then like the sheriff can't shoot. Briscoe, he just keeps shooting at him, and like the bullets are just like going around him. Oh yeah, that oh, yeah, scene. Yeah. That scene reminded me a lot of how I felt when student loans came back this month. <laughs> it was just me shooting at him and screaming, "You were supposed to be dead!" <laughs> it reminds me of Ernest goes to camp when the guy tries shooting at him, and all the bullets go around Ernest. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just thought of Dumb and Dumber when <laughs> you're alive and you're a terrible shot. <laughs> um. But yeah, they throw the, all the bad guys and the dog in jail. Um, Briscoe and Bowler. What the re- dog do? A cab, bro. I told you. <laughs> uh, then we have to throw all of Paw Patrol uh, in the fucking yeah. prison system too. All bitches are bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Briscoe's like, "Hey, Bowler, uh, we got some orb shit going on," and he's like, "Nope, <laughs> no orb stuff. Not, not having it. <laughs> I am, I am a regular Western." trope i'm not a steampunk western trope i'm leaving <laughs> and i'm just gonna follow you around and try to snag bounties from you in your wake um and then they leave town together it's um and yeah such a wonderful relationship i because i said i i've seen the briscoe county junior pilot recently like within the past year or two because i sure. love the show and I, I, I wanted to rewatch it it's well <laughs> well, well, I'm sure what you were going to say was very profound That's or that. touching or, yeah, yeah. It's a shame we can't go further into it. All right, next, next card. card. Maybe you will get to keep ca- talking about what you were saying, because six is another Briscoe County Jr. episode. Let's pull up our notes on Bye Bly. Ten minutes on the clock. Three, two, one. Bye Bly is the 20th episode of The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Season 1 and originally aired on February 18th, 1994. It was written by Carlton Cues and directed by Kim Manners. Carlton Cues was born in Mexico, which I just learned today. And Kim <laughs> Manners attributes his success as a director on The X-Files to his work on The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., saying that it really woke him up as a director, almost spiritually. Ugh. JP, do you have a recap? <laughs> I do. Briscoe and Bowler chase down a character somehow more stereotypically French than Pepe Le Pew, <laughs> named 
Pepe. Oh. Blythe escapes the orb and threatens to enslave the world. Briscoe must get the information from a naked future lady on how to stop him. She can't mm. directly help, but she can show up with her yams out and tell everybody exactly how the future is going to play out. She's technically not doing anything directly. <laughs> Briscoe must race against time to save the world. Save Bowler, and if he's got time, stop the Holocaust. Oh, he doesn't have time? Whatever. Let's talk about Endgame here on The Lost Effect. Yikes. Kevin and I had that same conversation about how this woman makes Briscoe do the work when she can just do it. Yeah, seriously. Like, it's the equivalent of if I showed up in, like, an art professor's, like, office in Austria in the 20s and is like, hey, 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 you should kill Hitler. Like, I was just going to be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, listen, I think his paintings suck too, but I'm not going to find shit this guy. Fucking murderer. (laughs) Um, Plus, put your dick away. (laughs) (laughs) And can you please stop thrusting in my office? Christ almighty. Um... Yeah, so I guess previously fucking Blythe got put into the orb and everybody's like, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, Orb's all locked up, Blythe's all locked up, we're good to go. Got his and ass future into the shadow like, realm. <laughs> yeah, she's like, he fucking gets out and runs amok. I'm from more in the future and we put the orbs in the past and he figured that shit out. Now he's using the orbs and he's going to fuck everything up for a couple hundred years. So you got to go stop him because I got to sit here and just kind of be hot. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. The whole time I was just like, "Is that Jamie Gertz?" <laughs> she looks a lot like because I was sitting there thinking to myself, "I was like, she looks a lot like the lady from the Lost Boys," but it's not. Oh, so yeah, nope. Yeah, nude. Uh, um, <laughs> fine. They're chasing down Pepe in the most twentieth century set. Like, Say, yeah, I noticed that too. I was like, maybe there was like this massive time jump that happened in between the episodes that's I watched. I thought, yeah, all it was missing was like parking meters. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this was on this was on Fox. I don't know where they shot. I don't know, so I don't know which back lot that was. But I've been to quite a few of the back lots here in in town. The day, like the period ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I could not pick out which one it was. Um, this episode it was surprisingly horny. Um, and not and not <laughs> even talk about it. Not and not even be, and not even because of the naked lady. I had a, I had a real problem with so like um, a bunch of stuff happens and then uh, Briscoe's watching pool from across the street and Bowler yeah. rolls up and he's like, "I was having a sex dream. Let me tell you all about it." Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> yes, knock that shit off. Don't just um, don't at all. <laughs> like. Uh, where the fuck are we? What happens in this episode? Um, uh, well, so they hire, uh, no, they don't hire Pepe Le Pew. So they're chasing Pepe Le Pew and Pepe Le Pew gets in quotes rescued by the U S government. Who's like, yo, <laughs> you need to do this safe cracking job for us. Otherwise you're going to go to jail. And he's like, Sakurai blue. I guess I'm doing that. <laughs> and he gets into the safe and inside the safe is the orb. Yep. And he's like, Fucking rad, my job's done. So, like, I'm free to go, right? The fucking kill Pepe Le Pew. And then yes. out of the orb comes Bly, who's like, hey, did you know that my mom has worked with Jim, Jim Jarmusch? You know what I mean? <laughs> Just, uh, I don't know. Like, he basically shows up and he's like, all right, back to being dastardly. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, from there we have what what goes on. 
one of the, uh, one of the orbs was actually cast in brass and super heavy. They made like four orb props. One mm-hmm. of them had like rods that came out and all this stuff. But then mm-hmm. they had one that was just a solid brass orb, and it was apparently heavy as shit and really hard to move around. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's there's clearly one orb that only has like one glow stick come out, and there's one that has three, and they're really excited when they're like, get the three glow stick orb. <laughs> <laughs> and pulling those three rods out makes it do anything you want. Just yeah, like yeah, exactly. time travel, slide whistle, bulletproof, unless mind you control. want, unless you want to save your friend. Yes, then, then in that then. case, it's like, <laughs> sorry, why aren't you I, working? I don't help singers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, this this episode did take this. Speaking of slow pace, and this one took a while to get going. I felt it like did. it was like twenty minutes before it was like, oh shit, Bly is even out of jail. Like things happen very slowly to mm-hmm. them. And so right. because of that, it happens very slowly to us. And so by the time they realize that, like, the good guys, Briscoe and Poole and Bowler and Jamie Gertz, not Jamie Gertz, <laughs> Karina, um, by the time they realize that Bly's about to pull it off, like, they're like, yeah, man, I wish we could get some time back. We really wasted a lot of it in the beginning of the episode. Well, so with that, <laughs> with time on the on the mind, let's let's talk about the sort of further time paradox that happens here. Um, so Briscoe stops Blythe, but in the process, Blythe shoots Bowler. Bowler. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Briscoe's like, well, fuck, if all these other assholes are jumping around time, why can't I? Yeah. So he goes back in time, which I'm assuming we would have seen that scene in a previous episode. I, I would assume so, too. And I'm I'm assuming we would have gotten into why the time portal looks a lot like a vagina. I was just, I have it in my notes as time vagina. Uh, but yeah, he yeah. just like straight up leaps through that and then saves his buddy. Cool. Yeah. But then he, there's another instance where he goes through the yeah. time vagina, right? So, so yeah. later, um, he, yeah, he's got to go through the, the time Ussie again. <laughs> and the, both, both instances. The, the time pussy. Both instances in which he uses it. He basically just takes advantage of the person who opened it, marveling at its brilliance to just like use it before them. He takes <laughs> it to swan dives into the shit. And then he does it to Karina. Like she's hypothetically seen this happen before. It's just how she got here. And so she opens it. And then she's just like, ooh, and Briscoe's like, me first. (laughs) (laughs) But then uh, Karina, yeah, it makes time traveling easier. You might want to put on some fucking cleats so that you can do the 40-yard dash a little bit faster (laughs) next time. Um, Yeah, I guess that's that's a good point, too, is like when Briscoe's going back in time, it didn't seem like his clothes inhibited him. She said, she said at the beginning, being naked makes long distance time travel easy. She traveled thousands of years. Briscoe hypothetically was only going a little while. So maybe that, one of his uh, socks is missing or something. Or so, like, so, <laughs> so take that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Damn it! I got baited by Briscoe County Jr. <laughs> the Emmy Award-winning steampunk western writing of Carlton Cuse has foiled you yet again, Kevin. <laughs> You fucking idiot. <laughs> Get orb. <laughs> I deserve Nash Bridges. Every time Bowler says something, it's about naked ladies. Yeah. Like, he, all of his lines are just like, I didn't get to see the naked lady. Yeah. And then later he does in his life. It makes him not want to retire because he's like, man, if I don't continue to be a bounty hunter, I might not be running in any more sweet orb pussy. So <laughs> I better not close up shop and open a, open a winery in Napa. Yeah. 
Oh, I for what it's worth, I do like those little touches with Baller's character, though, or like the fact that he sure. wants to like open up a winery or like he's a singer because like he is played usually like as like, you know, I'm this grizzled and angry bounty hunter. Yeah. But he always has this sort of like softer side that will occasionally come up, but he still brings it up. Yeah. Like it's like this big. Oh, God damn it. I'm going to I'm going to retire. What are you going to do? I'm going to open up a wine Napa. And it's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go home to my cat named Snuggles. And his name is apt. Like, it's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's the, like, it's the guy who's going to die in a Vietnam movie. Like, this is my girl, Mary Sue. When I get home, I'm going to marry her and start a potato farm. It's like, this motherfucker's going to die. That's the only so, reason yeah, we had to get this info. The, the black dynamite joke where the second yeah. person dies. <laughs> who saw that coming? I mean, who saw where that came from? Yeah, precisely. Precisely. Well, when Bowler's dying, I actually made a note here about this was some really positive male relationship stuff. As he's dying, Bowler says to Briscoe, you were the best thing that ever happened to me. Thank you for being my friend. And I thought that, and, and Briscoe doesn't, you know, it's not treated like tongue in cheek or anything like that. Um, we only got about 15 seconds left. Um, Karina takes the orb back to the future. They make a little joke about that. Um, uh, I'm surprised Bowler didn't say that portal looks like a pussy. Um, <laughs> sometimes and there's still episodes of the show left. Sometimes it's good to have something in your life that you love to hate, like Nash Bridges. And then they meet the president and he hires them to be black ops agents. <laughs> Nope, nope. I the speaker is. I'm getting my time back. No talk about the president. No talk about the president. <laughs> I feel like that's how a, a real president ends up in jail by hiring directly hiring people to be black ops agents. Kevin, next card. Next card. All right, JP, are you happy now? We're going back. We're going back to Nash Bridges. We were talking about Rock and a Hard Place. Rock and a Hard Fuck Place. Yeah, we are. Number baby. one on the schedule. Number not one in your hearts. Let's get 10 minutes on the clock. Three, two, one. Rockin' a Hard Place is the first episode of the sixth season of Nash Bridges. It originally aired on October 6, 2000. It was written by Reed Steiner and Damon Lindelof and was directed by Jim Charleston. Jim Charleston was the director of Time Cop, not the one you're thinking about. Birds of Prey, also not the one you're thinking about. And Dawson's Creek, probably the one you're thinking about. I don't want to wait. <laughs> Adam, give a recap. Yes, I do. <laughs> Do it. Hey, guys, is San Francisco near the water? <laughs> Don Johnson and che Cheech are targeted by an escaped convicted kidnapper with terminal cancer who is hell-bent on revenge against Nash for killing his wife when she tried to kidnap a teenage girl. This yeah. was the dumbest thing I watched on Wednesday, and I accidentally saw four seconds of Tar Tucker Carlson's new show on X.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I did not look this up. Is this the same plot as the movie Speed? Basically, that's what I wrote down. <laughs> okay, oh, good, shit. Good, it's okay. basically Speed plus Saw. Like, because yeah, Saw, yeah, you got, yeah, like, yeah. the person who has cancer who's like, I'm going to fucking teach you a lesson. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I, I wrote in my beginning, and I was like, oh, uh, Nash and Joe are going to do Die Hard with a Vengeance, but then get bored 15 minutes into it and not, <laughs> not, and not remember the time limit part of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I we gotta talk about this we fucking. Talk, we gotta talk about the opening. We, got, we gotta talk about this fucking opening. Okay, so this opens with uh, Nash Bridges and Cheech Marin tied up on a boat. Uh, the bad guys are like, "Well, fucking, your goose is cooked. Uh, instead <laughs> of shooting you, we're just going to uh, right. hop off this boat. You're gonna crash into something, and then you're going to explode. Yep. Bye, suckers." Yep. 
Uh, so then that guy leaves. Uh, of course, they get out of it. Yep. And they're like, okay, well, we got to go get revenge. He used an go- emergency flare to burn yeah. the yeah. burn the ropes off. Mm-hmm. S- singing, like, yeah. singing their suit jacket collars or su- the cuffs of the, both of their jackets. But then right, their right, jackets right, right. are fine later. Here's the thing. That is cool. But prior to that, uh, they have to like awkwardly reach for the flares. Mm-hmm. And right. so it's basically like the first bit of tension in that scene yeah. comes from will this man in his 40s be flexible enough to get there? <laughs> right, yeah. I was um, like, this is, this is all they can ask him to do without a stunt double. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so they're able to get off uh, the yeah. death boat. And yeah. then they're like, all right, well, we got to go take out this operation. So the- Time out. Why didn't they call this episode Death Boat instead of Rockin' Hard Place? I don't know why Rockin' Hard Place is the name of this episode. Sorry, continue. <laughs> totally it's because fair. we haven't written Death Boat yet, baby. We're about to. <laughs> Unpause. Go ahead, Kevin. Unpause. Okay. <laughs> so they get to the warehouse where this drug operation is. And so uh, there's a bunch of guys that are stuffing drugs into pinatas, horrified to hear that my side hustle was already gotten to back in right. 2001. What if, uh, what if there's one guy who was really not invested in the drugs and was really like a master craftsman? He's like, I'm really proud of these fucking pinatas. Yeah, he, there's there's got to be one pinata guy in the operation, right? <laughs> Listen, I'm not happy with how they're being used, but it's a living. I still get to practice my craft. Maybe it was shiny pants, thug. <laughs> could be. Oh, yeah. yeah, could be. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, in order to take down this operation, the first thing they do is they kind of like, you know, do the little whistle, basically yeah. do the thing from like a stealth video yeah, game. Yeah, I wrote like, that. One... I wrote that exactly here. Guard one falls for an off-screen whistle like a fucking guard from Metal Gear Solid. I wrote that. <laughs> exactly. Really yeah. Wrong. So, like, one guy comes over, Cheech Marin is like, oh, is this the right place? And then, bam, Don Johnson knocks him out. Got and him. I'm like, okay, all right, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Great, love it, yeah. Now, the, now, a second guard, wait, <laughs> what was that noise? And then he cocks his shotgun, and he goes back, and then they do the exact same thing. <laughs> Cheech Marin yep. goes, is this bam. the right place? And then, bam, bam. knocked out. And I was like, I kind of hope this is just the next 45 yes. minutes. Yes, I, they, they stun all 10 guards the exact same way. Yeah. Yeah, like I want them to like hit an ad break and come back, and then like there's one guard that's like, wait, what's that over there? And like we just keep fucking going. This is a pile of nine on. But no, we end at two because that's when they decide. All right, we knocked out two of them. Now we can go guns blazing. We both have a gun. Now the most powerful force in the world, two police officers with two guns. We can do anything. And that anything <laughs> is them shooting an explosive barrel like it's fucking GoldenEye 64. <laughs> they go fucking, like these people go flying. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just want to know what part of de-escalation training uh, involves shooting barrels. I don't know. Anyway. All of it. The, the, man, um, the man is a captain. The man's a captain. Mm-hmm. In the San Francisco Police Department. Right. He should be just managing stuff, He should be right? at a desk filling out paperwork and writing up Joe Dominguez for blasting folks <laughs> in warehouses. Guys, we need to get to Boz. We need we uh, need to talk faster. Yeah, we do. Shut up. The, we're, we're, we're clipping right through this. Boz um, is a is a character. Now, chron- I watched these in chronological order, so this was the first time I saw Boz. This was the first one right? I saw too. Yeah, <laughs> Boz may have been in a previous episode. I don't know. Boz is a friend of Nash Bridges. He, uh, there's he, a he dead joined, body. In he his- joined the cast in season three. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a dead body in his trunk. Calls up his good buddy Nash Bridges. Nash, I don't know. I promise you, I didn't do this. I'm I'm this sort of urban gangstery kind of guy. You gotta clear my name. They go to his house. He's upper crust. He's like. 
a part of a millionaire waspy family, yeah. right, and then they have a whodunit game? mystery, and the joke is that he no, talks is, different I think around this is his family. This is a, no, t- I, no, this I, is an endgame. You're you're confusing your notes for this is yeah, yeah this, an endgame. Yeah, no, this oh, is Oh fuck, this, I'm in the wrong tab. You're in the fuck. wrong tab, baby. <laughs> God damn it, we only have several more minutes left. Okay. Well, <laughs> it was I'm bound glad, to happen. I, I, I wrote I'm, down in my notes in the first car scene of the two of them talking, I wrote down, say Bubba again one more time, I fucking dare you. He <laughs> says Bubba to Joe about forty times in that first scene. Uh, and then that's the, the only thing note, I noticed in that scene was they're not wearing seatbelts, which I, for whatever reason, was really annoyed by. I'm like, you're cops! God damn it. <laughs> and, and then the next thing I wrote was that the camera move between the scenes, the arcing, swooping thing. I fucking hate that. I was like, this is getting old instantly. <laughs> Dude, no. I gotta ask. All right. So, JB, and like, I, I'm gonna need y'all's help on this. Cheech because... doesn't know how to hold a gun. I just want to say that real quick. That's very good. None of them uh, do. Now, was it... Uh, be honest, was it Batman and Robin that used, like, you know, a fuckload of Dutch tilts for, like, 90% yes. oh, yeah. of the movie yeah, yeah, shot yeah, yeah. in a Dutch totally. tilt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I, I hate to admit it, but there was a period in time when film was influenced by Batman and Robin. Because, like, I saw the Dutch tilts here, and I was like, why are we doing that? And, yeah, there's, like, a transition. It basically just looks like the camera op fell over. Right. It looks like it passed out. Yeah, exactly. And like, then they he, cover up the sound of his unconscious body hitting the floor with a whoosh. Exactly, yeah. And then, like, you can just see the editor in the bay turning around to the director and being like, I don't know, I thought it worked. Uh, uh, we we got to do it. It's in camera, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a stylistic choice. But, yeah, no, it's like, it's shot like a Tony Scott movie, but not as visually interesting. Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. So this guy wants fucking Nash to kill Joe, um, and otherwise a bomb's going to go off. In the city, uh, and every time that he calls Nash, he's within line of sight and lets him know that he's within line of sight. And every single time, Nash Bridges can just be like, oh, it's that motherfucker right over there. Exactly. Oh, oh hey, look, it's that guy from uh, Prison Break. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Joe and his, his wife are going to buy the house from the money pit. Yeah, that's I, that's a that whole subplot. Was so fucking superfluous. Like I didn't care. It was so superfluous, and it took up so much of the episode. Yes. Um. Yeah. We we have uh Nash Bridges playing chess with uh the bomb guy. The guy. Yeah. Uh, yep. For some reason. Uh. But then yeah, garbage. Uh. He plants like a little bomb in like a, a gar- garbage a can. Nearby garbage can. Uh. And that <laughs> He's like, blows it's up. only a quarter stick. A C4 that would have vaporized all those people. <laughs> yeah, seriously, man. Uh, but yeah, the garbage bomb for me is just how I started referring to this episode. Uh, just you so shut I can remember up, you. It. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, uh, how, give us how this ends, JP. How, like, what ends um, up happening? So the the guy, well, first of all, he moves up the timeline, but Nash Bridges still has time to have a nice spaghetti dinner with his fucking daughter over a bottle of wine. Uh, oh, and his the, dad, who starts to show signs of dementia. And, yeah. and despite moving up the timeline, that does not inject any pace or energy into this no, episode. No, it doesn't. <laughs> right, right. Um, he kidnaps Nash Bridges' daughter. He takes her to the rock. They d- disarm what they think is the bomb. Uh, they shoot the guy. They're going to celebrate. The bomb's in a car. New guy drives it into the ocean. Yep. Yep. That's it. Yeah. And by the end of it, I was it. like, what did Nash Bridges do this entire episode? He just blew off like the fucking bomber on the phone a few times. Otherwise, it's like. He, sh- he should have just been at his desk doing paperwork like a fucking captain does. Yeah. Because <laughs> he didn't do anything on the street. Well, yeah, I know. Because he's always getting sexually harassed by Betty Ann or whatever her name is. He doesn't want to be in the office. She's always horned up. 
I'm depressed. Why? <laughs> Why are you depressed? <laughs> we still have one more episode of fucking Nash Bridges to talk about. Kevin, next card, please. Are we getting there right now? We are going back to Briscoe, baby. Number four. That'll be Socrates' sister. Oh, lordy. Uh, all right, ten minutes on the clock. Three, two, one. Socrates' sister is the fifth episode of Briscoe County Jr. Season 1, and it originally aired on September 24th, 1993. It was written by Chris Ruppenthal and directed by Greg Beeman. Chris Ruppenthal was a co-producer and writer on Quantum Leap. Hey. And he did uh, both. Uh, he did a few episodes of both at the X Files and Moonlighting. Uh, Greg Beeman directed an episode of Rizzoli and Isles. Uh, the, yeah. da- the Daniel Stern vehicle bushwhacked. <laughs> <laughs> and eighteen episodes of Nash Bridges. <laughs> wow. Do you have a recap, JP? I do. If there's one thing that I'm known for, it's trying to bang my lawyer's sister. (laughs) Briscoe and Bowler are hot on the trail of the dad from Boy Meets World. In Greek mythology, Iphinija? How do you say it? You got it. Got it in one. Yeah, Iphinija is the daughter of Agamemnon. Nailed it. Mom from the from the Iliad. In Briscoe County Jr., she's a hopeless romantic East Coast lawyer that can bake one hell of a roofie cake. Will Briscoe recover the lost counterfeit plates? Will they rescue what's-her-face who I can't pronounce her name? Or will the writers have a non-race-related reason why Bowler can't swim? Sorry, Briscoe, you'll have to speak up. I'm wearing Chekhov's diving suit. It's Socrates' sister here on The Lost Effect. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> Do we even have to go on after that? That pretty much covers everything, don't it? <laughs> yeah. Christ. Actually, I fucking like this episode. This is a good episode. Well, and honestly, I was texting uh, Busher yeah. about this. I feel like when you, Nash you, Bridges is just a Western show, I'm actually really enjoying it. Like the second the orb comes on screen, there's just this part of my brain you that's mean like, Briscoe. I, you said Nash Bridges. Yeah, you said Fuck. Nash. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's all good. Don't Take worry. It back. We got you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's anytime the orb is on screen, Briscoe, there's just this. Part of my brain that's like, I just, I don't fucking care, man. Like, yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is just a MacGuffin. Yeah. But when it is just like a straight up Western, yeah. I was actually having some fun with it. Yeah. One, yeah, it was kind of fun. One thing that Briscoe County Jr. did was, th- this is a thing that they covered in, throughout the show. Briscoe is always, Briscoe is a man on the edge of a transitional, or he's in a transitional period in America in the, in the West. You can see it in mm-hmm. San Francisco. San Francisco, electricity is coming. The telegraph is coming. The old West is dying and disappearing. The show is set yeah. in 1893 or something like that. Sure. And Briscoe is a man who sees the coming future and wants to be a part of it. He wants to embrace it. So he embraces characters like Professor Whitworth um, and and what they referred to Q's and the other team as the coming thing. And so mm. in the pilot episode, um, they they do a rocket. Um, it, they have this diving suit. They're always like, yeah, this this character, John Aston, uh, played by John Aston, is in several episodes of the show. And yeah, sometimes this, the heavy steampunk elements of Briscoe County Jr. are, uh, at least the science fiction aspect of it is laid to the side to just show... The old West and what it's about to become. Yeah, the old sure. West becoming the new West. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, and I yeah, think yeah, yeah, yeah. despite the fact that I'm a huge fan of the show throughout, the the science fiction stuff is very odd, and I think people in general weren't ready for it necessarily. Mm-hmm. But the steampunky, weird Westy stuff works throughout, and so there are I think a majority of the episodes are like that, and they just deal with Briscoe trying to catch the ten guys that murdered his father, totally, <laughs> and then using. Potential kill bill. Yeah. And but and also then using the coming thing to help him. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And this is one of those episodes. Bly's not in it. 
The orb's not in it. Yeah. April, April O'Neil from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie <laughs> is in it. Fuck yeah, she is. And, I, and she was one of my. She was a childhood crush of mine. And so, gonna say by proxy, Adam's boners in it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Briscoe and Bowler are hot on the trail of some guy, and he's like, "I'm not that guy." And this is the old west, so they were like, oh, "Shit, there's a chance. <laughs> there's, there's a chance it's not, not, not that guy." <laughs> I wish yeah, he, he, it's too bad he has such a generic name. Jack <laughs> Randolph. <laughs> God, might as well be Bill Smith. <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, this guy had written a bunch of letters to uh, Socrates' sister, who is a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, she comes in and effectively is saying, you know, no, there's actually a liable case to assume that this is not the right guy. Right. Yeah. And the right. burden of proof is on you, the state. Exactly. Until proven guilty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so she eventually does help him break out of jail because she's like, it's so unfair what they're doing to yeah. you. Yeah. So yeah, she roofie And she's cakes. all horned up. Oh, of course she is. I, I wrote here in my notes um, that uh, Randolph convinces Iffy to bust him out. She is the most Mark-ass Mark in the history of Marks. <laughs> <laughs> More of a trick-ass Mark. I don't know. Maybe a Mark-ass trick. But yeah, uh, she breaks him out, and then they ride off together. Briscoe's on their trail, and then immediately uh, Jack Randolph turns to her and was like, yeah, psych, I'm actually the bad guy, and then just fucking eats her off the horse. And I guess, like, if I have, like, a legitimate note, I think they, like, kind of pull the cord on that a little bit too quick. Like, I think you can play with... Oh, is yeah. this the right guy oh, or yeah. not for like the episode? Yeah. Like that's no, actually really that. interesting. Cause he's like, we're being followed. Why is that? Cause I don't see him. And I was just like, Oh, Briscoe's just that fucking good, baby. Just on everyone's <laughs> ass all the time. So oh. he dumps her and he's like, oh, later to it. Somewhere around this point, Socrates decides that it's upon him to save his sister and packs his entire life into a wagon and starts yeah. slowly following them. And the first time it happened, I didn't know what was happening or who it was. I didn't recognize it as Socrates. And I was like, what the fuck is this subplot? And I was like, oh, it's the brother. Got it. The, the, the robbers uh, hid the plate in a town that has since been flooded due to a dam being built. So yeah. they need to steal the fucking the diving suit uh, so that they can go underwater and find the plate so they can counterfeit $5 bills. Or you skipped the part in which Randolph, or, yeah, Randolph and Pete caught Briscoe following them and then tied him and Iphigenia to a tree. <laughs> and then oh, instead yeah. of just killing them, yeah. a la the thugs from Rock in a Hard Place, <laughs> tied them up with Rawhide, left a perfectly good, what I would assume cost $80 re- lever action repeater rifle on a stick nearby mm-hmm. and then did some fucking sciency shrinking of the water and the rawhide to blast them so that <laughs> just shoot them just shoot them uh, when i mentioned earlier that there's a lot of uh ineffectiveness that happens <laughs> yeah. in the show this was absolutely something that leapt to mind in that moment but it, it allows briscoe to steal a smooch from Ooh. from iffy um from this definitely not like this woman who's dealing with the fact that she was recently betrayed, and he's like, you know what I love? Vulnerable women. Uh, So (laughs) So bend over and chew on this. 
<laughs> he said that to her. That was ridiculous. That was, that that was, was. very ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She did not react very well to the kiss. She was like, you have to write me several letters in which you lie to me before I am down for this, buddy. Yes. But, right. But once you do that, once you put in a little work, oh, man. I'm yours. Yep. <laughs> they haven't invented the slip and slide yet, but maybe <laughs> it's the coming thing. Stop it. No, that's what John Aston makes next <laughs> is the slip and slide. <laughs> um, also earlier. You see, you just put some water on it, and then it's kind of fun to go on it. It's an afternoon of fun for the children. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Uh, earlier, Briscoe tricked Bowler into like walking into a bee farm, and he rescues them, but he's all stung to shit, um, yeah. which is pretty hilarious. Um, and then the horse rescues Socrates, Comet rescues yeah. Socrates, and also steals uh, a newspaper, which allows Briscoe to figure out what the plan is, uh, right. Pete, Pete and Jack's plan. So they all meet yeah. at the lake, uh, formerly yeah. Graves and Colorado or California, wherever. Something like that, yeah. Um, Y'all ever seen the the movie Top Secret with Val Kilmer? Yeah. (laughs) When he has the underwater saloon fight? Yeah. (laughs) That's really what I wanted from this, but I'm sure they didn't have the budget for it. Because Briscoe's like, oh, he's already underwater, let's just wait. And she's like, aren't you going to stop me? He's like, what, I'm going to go fight him underwater and he's in a diving suit and I will have... She's like, well, that'd be... That's kind of anticlimactic. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Wait until they get on the raft and we'll shoot him. Like... But then, yeah, Bowler, uh, who earlier said he couldn't swim, the first time he fell in the, this same lake, he was like, I can't swim. And they did the, just stand up. You're fine. He's like, oh, yeah. So he's like secretly like swimming out there under cover of a log. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he gets spotted. Go figure. Uh, and he starts to drown because he can't swim. Because he can't swim, for right. For some reason. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Briscoe smashes the scuba suit of the one guy. Yep. They throw the other guy's gun in the water, and then we just never see him again. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> My piece. He loved his gun so much. That dude drowns, and apparently, I think I think this is the only instance in which a man in the show dies by Briscoe's hand. And even uh, here, it was self defense because he was yeah. defending himself during the fight. So sure, he never. Sh- I don't think he ever shoots anybody uh, in the special feature. Well, never mind. Well, that's that. <laughs> Next card, Kevin. Next card. We got one left, gentlemen. <laughs> really? Yeah. I could I could do this all day. Back. You son of a bitch. Back. To New San Francisco with what Nash a, Bridges. What a end fitting game. end. End game. Oh, yeah. Right? Fuck. All right. Ten minutes on the clock. Three, two, one. Uh, end game is the seventh episode of the sixth season of Nash Bridges. It originally aired on November 10th, 2000. It was written by Reed Steiner and Damon Lindelof. It was also directed by Jim Charleston. Jim Charleston directed 26 episodes of Nash Bridges. He spent a lot of time around Don Johnson and probably knows his thoughts on, quote, the Jews. Adam, oh do you have a recap? I do. <laughs> Please, regale us. What happened to Antoine? <laughs> DJ and Cheech get tangled up in a version of the most dangerous game, except to replace dangerous with tedious. Turns out <laughs> hunting humans is super easy when they're all dumb as hell. <laughs> also, I think Jamie Kennedy stole the idea from Albu's Most Wanted from this episode's B-plot. <laughs> <laughs> that's it dj we and- don't need the other nine minutes we're good <laughs> they get they get they're just driving on the road and they're talking about nonsense and they get pulled over by some clown who wants to buy don johnson's super rare 71 plymouth barracuda uh, the Cuda. Of, of which i looked it up this is an actual super rare car the one that they use for the show is not it's a 70 Cuda that they made look like a 71 because the 71 is actually really rare yeah um, mm. i don't 
give a fuck how rare the car is. If some moron on the street offers me $300,000 and then four hundred and then $500,000 for it, take the fucking car. Yeah, right. Get your like, fucking checkbook out. Get your checkbook out. <laughs> this is, this Hang is... out with me while I cash it, yeah. just so I know you're not yeah, full yeah, of yeah, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. But... but the keys are all yours as soon as we run to the bank. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a fucking car. Yeah. Yeah. You can just He loves it more than he loves his family. Yeah, you can just get a fucking just Toyota Corolla and then pocket the money. Yeah. For five and this is just another instance of people not understanding how much a large sum of money is. Like how people don't understand the difference between a million and a billion dollars. It's like you can make a million dollars in like ten years. Like any average, you know, decent paying job will pay you a million dollars in ten years. Um an average decent paying job will never pay you a billion dollars in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. Like that's right. how like and so yeah, even like five hundred thousand dollars. I've never seen five hundred thousand dollars in my life. Fuck. Yeah, when I go to cash my paycheck and it's just like a regular dude amount of money, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to Corona Tacos this weekend and get me some of them fries. Like, <laughs> you haven't seen that amount of money, Adam, because you haven't taken out an insurance policy on Kevin and then killed him like I told you to. <laughs> Careful, that's, uh, I think, <laughs> is that conspiracy. You, is that why you guys oh. painted an X on the floor over here? Um, uh, yeah. There's a piano above you. Fuck! Um, <laughs> so, Not again! Uh, uh, so... These fucking chuckle fucks from, like, no one, it's it's the boogeyman of the early 2000s that, like, boomers worried about, where it's like, millennials just don't understand the, the value of life, or young people don't understand the value of life, so they'll just kill each other for no reason. Um, yeah. And so these, these yahoos are running around the city killing each other. Yeah. They're seemingly used to be friends. Yeah, but they were okay. like, this is a good way to spend a weekend. Yeah. Hunt so, each other for sport. Yeah. Basically, yeah. So it's like they get stopped. Oh, yeah. Can I buy your car? And then out of nowhere, some dude just pulls up, yeah. pulls out a shotgun and starts shooting at the person who was trying to buy the yeah. car from him. Yeah. And that dude takes out two pistols. They have a full on shootout. Yeah. And then guy with two pistols gets onto a bus yeah. and uh shotgun guy's like, oh, dang it. Dang it. I can't do anything about that. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> and then he turns around and uh, gets fucking blasted by Nash Bridges. Yep. And that's just how we start. And yeah, yeah. we're all just kind of left to be like, why? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I wrote, yeah. That was like in my like I wrote this in all caps here. Um, a dude tries to buy the Barracuda for a half million dollars, and then a fucking shootout occurs, and Nash kills a guy. But again, he's like hella casual about. Like he just yeah, murdered yeah, yeah. someone. Not a big deal. This is season he's six. Back at work the rest of the day. I imagine maybe in season one when he killed the guy, they wrote like Don Johnson, who is an executive producer on the show, is probably like, I want him to have you know conflicted feelings about killing this man. And now it's season six, and he's probably killed. I don't understand numbers. Millions of people uh, <laughs> at this point. So he's like, I'll blast you. I'll blast a teenage girl on a motorcycle. I'll blast some idiot in a shiny purple jacket in the middle of the street. I don't give a shit anymore. Don't try to buy right. my car. <laughs> um, this Boz. So Boz is, yeah. And Boz is around his, yeah. his I want to do two things. Then JP, you can talk about Boz real quick. They constantly refer to the this case as a gig, which drives me nuts because it's not a gig. It's a case. Gigs are for freelance people like actors, writers, BTL people in the industry. We, we always look for the next gig. Cops have cases that they investigate. They look for clues. They investigate cases. They don't do gigs. And that drove me up a fucking wall. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then um, also, this is where they meet Abby Gordon 
uh, investigator Abby Gordon from Minnesota, who's played by uh, Melinda Clark, who I also have a huge crush on. She played Nandy in Heart of Gold uh, from Firefly. <laughs> She's gorgeous. And she was the hooker with the Heart of Gold and the Madam of the Thing, who Mal falls in love with and sleeps with. Um, and she's very, very pretty. And I thought that they were setting her up to be this recurring, epi- uh, this love interest for Nash, which I thought was really, really great. So anyway, JP, do you have any thoughts on Boz? <laughs> I have so many goddamn thoughts on Boz! Holy shit! So I watched these in, in chronological order, so this is the first time I see Boz. I don't think it's the first time the audience has seen him, because he's apparently a reoccurring character in this fucking show. Boz has a dead body in his trunk, and he calls up his good buddy Nash to fucking... To fucking bail him out of this because he's the only cop that he trusts. So then uh, Boz is like, all right, well, this is my fucking family gardener. So they go to Boz's family's house. He's a bunch of waspy one percenters that should probably all be fucking shot. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he, oh, he, all of a sudden he speaks different. That's the joke because he kind of talks real urban. And now he's all upper crust and proper. And it's a fucking laugh riot. <laughs> <laughs> and then they have a who done it so Nash Bridges can fuck the lady detective. I did I did write here that Boz actually does explain code switching, which is kind of cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, no. This this entire I was about to say B plot, but again, it's Nash Bridges, so it's just two A plots smooshed together. Yeah. So yeah, this yeah, other yeah, yeah, A yeah. plot, it's basically just shitty knives out. Yeah. 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 That's what I wrote. One of my last notes is what's up with this clue ass ending? <laughs> yeah. Can, can we talk about the ending really quick? Oh, of course. Boz finds out that his real parents were not the rich people that raised him, but rather the 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 like servant lady in the house. Yep. And who's hella casual when that oh, yeah. information yeah. gets yeah. dropped? Yeah, yeah. Her her the baby daddy was a guy that went off to Vietnam to die, but he's black, so Boz is like half black. Yes. And then he does oh, the free, free at last, last, free at last, last. load of my damn free at last. <laughs> I've never wanted a cigarette so bad in my life. I cringed into my body. It <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah. And here's here's the thing that I thought about. Uh, the only positive takeaway is uh, Damon Lindelof would go on to write Watchmen, which yeah. I thought was a uh, pretty nuanced and interesting and I think progressive take on race. Yeah. And so it's like, Shit, that dude grew up yeah. so much yeah, since yeah. this what episode. A glow up. Yeah, dude, for real. Here's some highlights from my notes, real quick. Just a couple of interesting, like the only interesting things I wrote down. Um, I thought that Henry, uh, the pile of laundry, wanted mm-hmm. to fuck Rachel. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but Rachel's apparently fucking Nash. Yes. I, I had another note here uh, during the first scene with the game masters. They say peace a thousand times, and I wrote, say peace again. I fucking dare you. Because <laughs> I thought they were talking about a gun. It turns out they were talking about his fucking cufflinks. Um, oh, wow. Boz had, yeah. a, Boz had a, a very funny line. How can how can I ever repay you? And Nash says, you can't. You know, for the rest of your life. I was like, that's actually kind of funny. Um, yeah. Uh, Rachel- to be fair, they won't let me bring my real guns in the laser tag either. So, you know, it's... <laughs> Uh, I asked. I couldn't remember the dude in the white jacket's name, so I just called him Haircut. Um, and so I have a note here, just like later, Maid kills Haircut. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. They they have a conversation in the CUDA about the CUDA, and they say CUDA a thousand times, and I wrote, say CUDA oh, yeah. again, I fucking dare you. Uh-huh. Um, uh, that's it. Uh, um, yeah, the, the uh, idiot kids all end up kind of killing each other, except for the last two. Yeah. They decide to get in on the game. Uh, one of the cops that is like when they have the building surrounded straight up does not have a magazine in his rifle. Um, that's San Francisco PD, baby. This is what happens when you defund the police. 
<laughs> uh, despite the fact that there's no bullets in that gun, the game masters do commit suicide by cop. Um, yeah. Mm. And Nash is kind of happy about it until he's real somber about it. He's like, <laughs> oh, no. Because his first thought is like, all six in the ten ring. And then he's like, oh, that was a life that I took. Yeah. Bummer. Well. How did they? Uh, how did they find the bus guy? The last guy? How they ever? They never explained how they found bus guy. They just found him on a bus. He was just sleeping on a bus, and somebody called it in. This San Francisco, fucking. So many people <laughs> sleep on buses. Abby Gordon never comes back to the show. Well, I have. Well, a, I have a question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is there anything that we can take away from either show and be like, oh, these things later go on to be in Lost or have influenced it? The only thing I noticed about Nash Bridges. Is its main character is arrogant, but he thinks he's charming, and the show thinks he's charming. So I guess that's the precursor to Jack Shepard. Sure. Yeah. But like with Briscoe County Jr., like what do you guys see in that where you can be like, oh, there's traces of Lost here. Here's something that'll go on to be in Lost. Is it just sort of like the sci-fi elements, or was there anything else you guys noticed? I, th- I think it's both of that. I think it's both yeah. the, the sci-fi thing and the fact that Briscoe County Jr. is semi-serialized. Like, of course, mm-hmm. they have their Western story of the week that they do, just like the old movie serials that they were trying to emulate. But there, there is this recurring, albeit so, sort of good goofy ongoing story about the orb so just showing that carlton cuse is he likes serialized stuff he's got a little bit of a knack for it kind of a nash for it (laughs) nice so yeah that's i think not only cuse's foundational work prior to lost but then also his his effect on on the industry at large which i think is neat and i really really hope that if he is a shitty boss to work for He's having a moment where Hopefully. he can reflect and he can improve. Yeah, be yeah. better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so go back and rewrite these shows. <laughs> be better. Wait, no. Is that what we're talking about? I don't think so. I like some police procedurals. I, I'll admit that, you know, while I am a police ab- uh, abolitionist and I do believe that law enforcement should be dismantled, if you can ignore the propaganda aspect of police procedurals, it's entertaining television. <laughs> I can see why people eat shit like this up. Even by the end of the third Nash Bridges that we watched, I was part of me was banging my head against the wall. Other part of me was curious, like, what are they going to do with this money laundering storyline, which we didn't touch on at all? No, we didn't. Um, <laughs> what's up with this Betty Ann thing? She acts as though she's been here this whole time, but I, I, right. I didn't. I would like to see where she came from in the first place. We talked very little about his daughter, who uh, uh, ends up being. And we talk about this in an episode of Lost: how Ana Lucia Cortez should never be serving under her mother in the Los Angeles PD. Why is right, why right, is right, Cassidy right. a member of SIU? Mm-hmm. I also I don't know if it's more of my face blindness. One of the women that they bring on is Nash's girlfriends in either a earlier or later season looks shockingly similar to his daughter and yeah. it's kind of creepy yeah. uh and that bothers me yeah i i understand i i can see exactly why people like nash bridges because it's mindless shit that you can just put on the background you can hear a, you hear the cuda rooming in the background you hear him talking saying bubba and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's yeah. like NCIS. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. The the thing that kept coming to mind as I was watching Nash Bridges was like Jag. You know, yeah. it's oh yeah, it's totally. That, and yeah. like that style of television has largely gone away. I mean, like yeah. we still have it with like our yeah. NCISs and CSIs and shit, but that's kind of it. Like yeah. those are the last holdovers. Yeah. Uh, from that era so yeah i mean like if you are interested in stuff like that if you're like i really miss jag then yeah <laughs> like go find nash bridges i'm sure you'll get something out of it i think my mom's met bill smitrovich i'm gonna try and find a picture i don't know who that is <laughs> he was the dad on life goes on anyways kevin thanks for joining us 
<laughs> Thank you so much for having. Uh, this was fun, despite me <laughs> asking for death. I'm going to do it, but out. I'm going to complain the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this was an absolute blast. Thank you guys for having me. So yeah, so yeah, Kevin, thank you again for taking the time. Thank you, thank you for watching so you much You put TV. in a lot of time for this very stupid bit. I, I did recognize, I think it was like once I got halfway through the last episode, I was like, you know, if you take the amount of time I've spent watching these six episodes, I think that is longer than cumulatively the amount of Lost I've watched for your Lost yeah. podcast. Yes. So yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, it was a blast. It was a blast. I knew Nash Bridges was our format. I thought Briscoe was 30 minutes, and I watched the first one, and I literally just was like, oh, no, Kev. Oh, <laughs> no. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and we will absolutely have you back. Season two of Lost and Lost is right around the corner, um, and so we got plenty more to talk about once that shows up. But in the immediate future, what are we doing next time, JP? Uh, let's see. If you want to be lost with us, next time we're going to be watching the pilot of the show Flash Forward called No More Good Days. My trailer is going to be joining us for that one, mm-hmm. so that's uh, that's pretty exciting. Looking forward to that. Another yeah, another sh- show inspired sort of by the success of Lost. Um, yeah, and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll sort of sort of get into that. Well, hey, uh, thank you all for <laughs> indulging us with this episode of Lost on Lost: The Lost Effect. I'm Adam. I'm JP. You have any idea why we did this? Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you back. Lost on Lost is produced and edited by me and JP. We wish to acknowledge that we live, work, and produce our show on occupied land. Burbank, California is located on the traditional tribal lands of the Tongva, Chumash, Keech, and Fernandeño Tataviam peoples. Milwaukee, Wisconsin is located on the traditional tribal lands of the Peoria, Potawatomi, Miyama, and Ho-Chunk peoples. And Lost was produced in Hawaii on the lands of the Kanaka Maoli. Visit native-land.ca to learn more about the land you live and work on. You can engage with us on IG, Facebook, and Twitter at Lost on Lost One. You can also email us at wearelostonlost at gmail.com or support us with dollar monies at coffee.com slash wearelostonlost. Thanks to Lostpedia and its community of contributors, Danny Schmitz, Random.org, and as always, you the listeners for tuning in. We're hosted at Podbean. You can hear us there or wherever you get your podcasts, except MySpace. We're, we're not on MySpace. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> Ha 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 